Let's take a seat. Well, good morning, folks. It's good to see you all here today. It's good to know that we have our online audience, our online community, and uh, Shelly Del Rumpel. It's her birthday today. She uh, turned 30, so uh, plus a couple. And uh, we're just so thankful that uh, literally you are still on the planet with us because you bless us. We know your health concerns, and it's been an honor and a privilege for me to see the way Bill has come alongside you, cares for you, walks with you. And I know you'd love to be here this morning, but can't. So happy birthday, uh, Shelly. And we think of the others that uh, join us online. We think of Don and Lisa, and we know Don's health. He can't be here. He wants to be here. And we think of Jim and Lori, the same thing. And we think of Anne and uh, Jonathan down in Ithaca and the many others. So we welcome all of you this morning and are especially uh, glad to have uh, those who can join us online. So thank you. Well, this morning we've got a real, uh, I, it sounds so terrible to say a treat, but it is a treat. You don't have to hear me speak, so we go, yay. And so we've got uh, uh, Mike and uh, Sarah Tyson. And, uh, you know, you know you're a little jaded. Last night I was wheeling around at the delicious game dinner. Uh, I did risk it. I ate some bear. Do I look a little more hairy this morning? Brr. But anyway, I ate some bear and some other things. But anyway, um, but you know, you know you're a little jaded when you're coming through the line and uh, someone comes up to offer to carry your plate and you say no because you're afraid they're going to do something to it. Why is that? And that was actually Sarah. I was like, no, don't do that. Oh, yes, let me help you with that. I'm like, no, no, no. And then finally I did help because I realized Sarah probably wouldn't do anything to my food. But some of you would. So anyway, but it's great to have Tim here. Uh, last night, uh, at least two people indicated they wanted to say yes to Jesus. And that's why we do the game dinner. It's delicious. It's fun and all of that. Uh, there's prizes. But we do it to make a difference in people's lives so that people uh, have an exposure to say, man, there is a God, and maybe that God wants to have a personal relationship with me. And we just want to see that door opened. And last night, two lives. And if I told you the whole story around uh, how they ended up here, it's, it's just fantastic. God works. So don't think those things in life are just coincidences. God is at work. See him working in your life because he absolutely is. So it's, it's, it's just, that's just a real blessing. So, uh, so I'd like to welcome Tim. He'll explain his ministry. Uh, we were really, again, uh, just uh, touched by his message last night, reminding ourselves to be focused. So give a warm welcome to Tim. And uh, Mike, why am I saying Tim? Tim Tyson, you know that famous Tim yeah. Tyson guy. <laughs> anyway, Mike, whoever you are, welcome. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. Well, I am... Uh, struggling with the concussion and stuff, so if I do call myself Tim, uh, that's the reason for it. Oh, there's all this good stuff up here that I don't really know that I need, but we'll just say it. <laughs> so yeah, um, what, a, what a great night we had last night. Uh, again, my name is Mike Tyson, and, and I'm used to uh, speaking on stage. I, I travel the country speaking at wild game dinners and men's events, and I'm always more comfortable when I have a dead animal standing behind me. For some reason, it just brings me comfort, so thank you for letting me uh, 
had my dead animal up on the wall there. Um, but uh, yeah, last night, uh, this is the reason why I traveled to do things is because last night we were able to share the gospel. Uh, a couple over here gave an indication. There was a young child down here that gave indication as well. And at the end of the day, we don't know. It's only between God and them as to whether or not they were genuine decisions for Christ. Um, but we're minimally, we're planting seeds. And uh, we can't do that. I can't do what I do um, without all of the work that you guys have put into that event last night. And I always encourage churches because what you guys did last night had impact. And whether we impact a thousand people or we reach one soul, we've kept that one soul from going to hell, spending eternity in heaven, and it is worth it. Like Pastor said, it is worth it because I know it's a lot of work. And uh, I know Jason and those guys are probably exhausted from having to put all of this together, the food, Frank and those guys back in the kitchen, and, and uh, just what everybody did. God uses your gifts and abilities to be able to pull all of this together. And um, I, I tell churches all the time because they, they're usually wanting to put an end to it because it is so much work. But I always ask them, what percentage of the community came to this event last night? And you guys might have had anywhere between 25 and 30, 40% that maybe were from the community that came last night. And what other events are we doing that brings that many people into this church to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so I would challenge you and your pastors to continue doing an event like that uh, because for some reason God is working in wild game dinners. I've been speaking at wild game dinners since about 2004. Um, a guy I used to reference, uh, refer after I spoke was Charlie Alzheimer. Probably a lot of you guys know him, but he passed away uh, a few years back now already. And uh, But he was doing wild game dinners probably 20 years before I even got into the gig. And, and there's other guys like me around the country that are speaking at these events, and we all share the same stories that God is moving and for some reason, sportsmen, outdoorsmen, and wild game brings people's hearts down and allows them to, to come in and to be able to hear the gospel. And, and that's really what we're called to do. And so today, we're going we're gonna to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for the most part, but we're going to hop around. I, I preach out of the ESV version, so if you're following along uh, with your phone, you can quickly change the version if, if it's a different one. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. So um, I'm looking forward to, to sharing with you a little bit of, of what I think God has kind of called us to do. And so for me, like I said, I speak at Wild Game Dinners. And so last night I told a couple stories. One, I was out in the mountains of Colorado, came down with a serious case of food poisoning, shot a bull elk. And then I got lost in the wilderness, and I share the five stages people go through when they're lost in the wilderness. And then the first story that I tell is of this buck back here. I only had two arrows with me, but it took me four shots to get it. And so it's kind of a comical, funny story. And, um, you know, I get to tell some jokes about 
whether or not I was able to convince my wife to mount this deer over top of our bed and, you know, things like that. And, and uh, so it, it's always a fun night to be able to share those stories. But so when I shot this buck, it was the biggest buck I had ever seen. It was the biggest buck I've ever, I've ever gotten since. And I really wanted to get it mounted. But I had just left the corporate world. I was a computer consultant, project management type of position. And, and uh, so now I had left this corporate world and I started a Christian outdoor adventure ministry. And as I was doing that, we obviously, we went from making good money to making nothing because I had to raise my own support and all of that. And uh, so I ended up shooting this, this buck. And I remember sitting in the woods and I, I prayed. I said, okay, Lord, you know, as most hunters do, we tend to thank the Lord for the harvest. And, and so I was like, Lord, thank you for allowing me to shoot this great buck. Use this deer however you would. And I just kind of left it at that, never really thinking that God would do much with this deer that I shot, you know. And so I wanted to get it mounted. And so I call up a taxidermist that I was recommended, and I call him up, and I'm like, hey, I just shot this big buck. I'd love to get it mounted, but I really don't have the money. Can you, I don't care if it takes a couple years, can I pay you like five bucks a month? And uh, however long it takes, you know, I just want to get this deer mounted. And, uh, and I had, had mentioned that I had just started the outdoor ministry, and he says, well, tell me more about this outdoor ministry. And I'm like, all right. So I did. I said, you know, we're trying to get men out into God's creation. Uh, we're going to be hiking the Grand Canyon. We're going to be whitewater rafting, uh, you know, hunting, fishing, backpacking, whatever it was going to be to try to get men out into God's creation and to point them to a relationship with Jesus Christ or to do discipleship through it. And, and so he's like, all right, Mike, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to mount the deer for free. All I ask is you come to our church wild game dinner and give a five-minute testimony. Well, if you know what it costs to get a deer mounted versus a five-minute testimony, you know which one I was taking. I was taking the five-minute testimony because... I accepted Christ at the age of around seven. I believed that I was a sinner and that I needed God in my life and I needed what Christ offered on the cross. And I became a, a Christian at a young age, got baptized a few years later, and had been serving in the church ever since. I had, a, prior to the outdoor ministry, I had a little bit of a hiccup in my walk with the Lord, but luckily he saved me from myself. And uh, I confessed some things and got got right with him and, and continued on. And that's kind of like my testimony. I think I did that in a couple minutes. Um, so I'm like, all right. So on my way there, it's on the other side of Michigan, and I've convinced myself it's going to be a small church. There's going to be 50 people at this event. Everybody's going to be over the age of 80, so no matter what you say, they're going to love on you, right, just like a grandparent. And uh, so... So I get there, I pull in to this church, it's a big church, there's 400 men at this event, and I come to the front door and the pastor hands me, you know, an agenda for the evening, and I'm looking down and it says, meal, prize drawing, keynote speaker, Mike Tyson. And I look at him, I'm like, Pat, I said, I thought you just said it was going to be a five minute testimony. He says, yeah, I know, I just told you that because I knew you wouldn't come. 
I'm like, Pat, I have no message. And, uh, oh, it was crazy. So I get in there. I've got no message. He's like, don't worry about it. He's really charismatic. He's like, Holy Spirit will give you something. Don't worry about it. So we go in. The meal takes a really long time. Then they go into probably 45. No, they had a DNR presentation that was pretty dry. Then they go into 45 minutes of prize drawing. And you could hear at the very last prize being drawn, you could hear 400 metal chairs all scooting backwards because everybody had already been there like three and a half hours and, and they were bored and they were wanting to get out of there. The MC runs up on stage, hold on, hold on, we still have our keynote speaker. And you could hear everybody in the room go, ah, forever. <laughs> right? So now I have a hostile crowd. I have no message. And I made the mistake of being my first wild game dinner. I ate every kind of animal that they served. And so now when I got up on stage, I was burping about every 30 seconds, you know. And so it was kind of like deer camp. But the reason I tell you that story is because there are times in life when God is calling you to do something and you don't feel qualified. And or you would never even agree to it. When I was in high school, I had an English teacher told me I would never write books because I didn't know where to put commas. I have since, since then, God has allowed me to write three books. I had a speech teacher told me I would never be a public speaker because my speeches in speech class were memorable, but for all the wrong reasons, right? And, um, and so I had this, this kind of going on, and, and they weren't necessarily being mean, just I wasn't showing anything as a, as a high school student. I had a baseball coach say, Mike, man, you're never going to be a leader if you're not more vocal and louder. I was shy. I was quiet. I was reserved. I really didn't think I had a lot to offer. And I never would have signed up to be a public speaker, let alone an evangelist or a wild game speaker or even a pastor. But sometimes God has a different plan for us. I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, I've got this called by God. God chooses weak men and women. So you turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start at kind of the end of the chapter, and we're going to bounce around a little bit. But let's go to chapter, or verse 26 in chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So here you have the Apostle Paul. He's basically coming and he's telling you, you know, he says, look, we didn't come with all of this status and of noble birth and, you know, with all of this prestige, we came as ordinary men in preaching Christ.
Christ crucified was his message. And, you know, and that's kind of like how God uses often weak men and women. And we have many examples in the Bible of how he's called people like that. Then if we go into chapter 2, we continue on. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. As humans, as men and women, as, as Christ followers, we often don't feel qualified. We don't believe that we've got the gifts, that we've got the things that we need to be able to do what God has called us to. We may be either shy, maybe not necessarily embarrassed, but just timid and, and not wanting to get out of our comfort zones. Whatever it is that is hanging on to us, the Apostle Paul says, you know, that stuff is not important because God can use you. You know, as Christians, we sit there and we say, okay, we serve a mighty God, that God is amazing, he has all of these attributes, he has all of this power, he created the world, he sent his son down here to die on the cross to save us, and we say all of these things, but yet, we don't believe that we have the power in us through God to do the things that he's called us to. And he hasn't called us to do a lot other than to have faith and belief in him, to love God, to worship him with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. And then he's called us to love others. And while we're loving others, we're supposed to share the great news of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gift, but yet we resist sometimes because we're afraid or we have doubts or we have fears. The Bible is filled with reluctant misfits who God has chosen to do great things for him. If we look at Moses, we turn back into Exodus Moses was asked by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses told God no, what was it, three or four times he told God no. He says, Lord, you don't want me. And God's like, well, I'm going to be with you, Moses. Yeah, but God, I, I don't speak very well. Moses, I will speak for you. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not really all that qualified. I don't know why you'd be choosing me kind of a thing. I'm kind of paraphrasing here a little bit. but um, And God's like, Moses, I'm going to show you signs and wonders. Put your hand in your cloak. Pull it out. And his hand is filled with leprosy. Moses, put your hand back in your cloak. Pull it out. And it's totally healed. Moses, throw your staff on the ground. And it becomes this snake. Moses, pick it up. So he carefully picks it up and it becomes his staff again. Moses, I'm going to show you signs and wonders. 
I'm going to be with you. I'm going to speak for you. And you are qualified because I have qualified you. We look at other people in the Bible. We look at uh, uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet was just a youth. I think they figure out he might have only been like 14, 15, 16, somewhere there. He was just a young teen when God called him to be a prophet. And uh, he didn't have necessarily the greatest of jobs because he had to go and, and tell everybody that they needed to repent and uh, because God was bringing punishment. And for that, everybody hated him. He got beat up a lot, thrown in pits, left to die. But God used him, and he said, but Lord, I'm only a youth. And he says, don't let that disqualify you. I will be with you, and I will take care of things. We look at King David, the leader of Israel, the great king. We already, most of you guys know his story. He was had his soldiers off doing their thing. He was back at the palace. He was bored. He was probably being a little lazy. And uh, what does your mom always say? You know, idle hands are the devil's workshop. And uh, David ends up seeing Bathsheba and ends up having an affair with Bathsheba, not only to the point of trying to lie and deceive and cover it all up, but ends up having to kill her husband to help cover this stuff up. And so here you have Moses, the guy who, who killed a taskmaster, fled into the wilderness, and then God used his leading of the shep being a shepherd out in that wilderness to prepare him for leading the Israelites out. King David used his life to prepare him, and even when he had a major sin in his life, ended up killing a man, having an affair, all that stuff, David confessed, he repented, and God still used him in a mighty way. Sure, he suffered some serious consequences because of that. But the Bible is filled with examples of men and women that have done amazing things. And every one of them would probably tell you that they weren't qualified to do any of it. But friends, that's a great place to be because then we surrender and we have to trust that God is going to take care of the things that we do. I'm going to tell you a little story of my speaking thing, and it's, it's not to, I'll explain it a little bit. But So after I had my first speaking gig, I came back, and there was something inside me like, man, I need to do this. Or this seems to be like maybe God's going to be calling me. So if I've got to do it, I better learn how to do this. And so I started watching some videotapes of people, and I tried to work on my pacing, like the first time I was speaking, I was probably doing this like a, you know, a hundred times, and it was like a ping pong match. You guys would be going like this, and so I tried to work on pacing, right, and just hold, and then, and then sometimes just even make connections with the audience and look at them in their eyes until the point that they're totally uncomfortable because I'm staring right at them, right, and you know, you try to learn all of those techniques to where you're not doing weird things with your hands, and all of a sudden looking up at the spider on the ceiling, and everybody's like, well, what's up there, you know? And, and you're trying to follow along. So I, I worked on those things, but in my heart, I really didn't feel qualified a lot of the times. 
Lord gave me an opportunity to speak at a Mennonite church down in, uh, down in Ohio. And I went down there, and I had no idea what it was going to be like. I didn't know if I was going to be, um, you know, kind of more the, the Amish kind of a situation or, or where it was at. But when I came to it, it, it was a church like this. You wouldn't have even known any different. And, um, and I went there, and, and I just, it was a train wreck. My message was a train wreck. I couldn't get my jokes out. I, I really felt like I butchered the gospel when I gave it out. My wife calls me afterwards, and she's like, how'd it go? And I, and I started tearing up, and I was like, man, it was, an, it was a wreck. And she's like, oh, I'm sure you're just being hard on yourself. And, and uh, so I came home, and a week later, the pastor called and said, uh, Mike, you're not going to believe this, but we did response cards, and like 70 people came to know Christ that night. And it was, that for me was a moment in my speaking ministry where I realized, and I already knew that it's, it's not me saving people, it's the Holy Spirit, right? But the reason I tell that story is, is because for me that was the first moment in my speaking ministry that I felt like the pressure just came off me because I realized that even in my weakness, God could do something really good and really amazing. And, and, and I think that we have to kind of take that into our, our lives. You know, we sit there and God may be calling you into something and you, you may be resisting and you're thinking, man, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. But at the end of the day, it's the power of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to use you to do anything. Because, you know, I half the time I don't even know what I'm going to say or what I'm going to do. And, and, um, and sometimes I don't even know my name, right? You know, it could be Mike or Tim. And, and uh, you know, but you're... You're just doing that, and it's really through the power of Christ that you're going to be able to do anything. And uh, so I think we need to realize that God chooses weak men and women to do great things. But secondly, you know, go to that slide. You were right on. Next, I want you to know that you are equipped. If we go back into 1 Corinthians, let's go back to the beginning, and let's go to verse 7 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, you are not lacking any, what did it say, specifically? They're not lacking in any gift, right? So what does that mean? It means that God has equipped you for where you're at in what you've been called to do. And your story is going to be different than my story. What he's called you to do is going to be different. Some of you may be the type of people that have the gift of being a servant. My wife is a help person. She wants to help all the time. We were here, and she was running around helping people, and that's just what she does, and she doesn't do it for glory, but she just does it because that's how she's wired. Some of you may be behind-the-scenes servant type of people. Others may need to be up here on stage. Others maybe just need to talk to your coworkers 
because you have love and mercy and empathy, which I don't have, right? Some people just, they can really connect and have that empathy with people. And, and um, so we need to be able to use those gifts that God has given us. But if God places you in a situation, he has called you to do something radical, maybe leave your job or maybe just within your job, be bold and to speak out. God has equipped you with what you need. Yes, we need to learn the Bible. We need to know that stuff in and out as best we possibly can. But even if you stumble it out and you say, man, I don't know what verse it is, but I know it's in the Bible and it says this, and you kind of butcher it a little bit, but you get it out. The Lord says that God's word doesn't return void, doesn't return empty, that even in your weakness, God can work on somebody's heart and draw them to him through the actions. So verse 7, you are not lacking any gift. So he's given you everything that you need. Verse 8, well, let me finish that verse 7. You're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, who will sustain you till the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are not lacking any gift. And then it says that God will sustain you until the end. So when you can't do it, no matter what you're going through, whether it's something personal, maybe it's something tragic, maybe it's a loss of a job or something, God has equipped you to handle this situation, and he will carry you and sustain you until the end. What does it mean to sustain somebody? It means to lift them up, to carry them, to give them what they need to get them to the next point or through the next situation. So God will sustain sustain you until the end. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you are not lacking any gift, God is going to sustain you till the end. And then it says, God is faithful. What else do you need? What else do we need, right? But we are human. We are sinful, broken individuals that have doubts and fears, but we really need to rely on the power of Christ and what he can do in our lives and read the Bible and, and gain strength from these stories of people that were just like you and I that God used to do great things. And he can use you today to do that as well. Let's go to the next slide. All right. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Sorry, I forgot to mark it. I'll give you time to flip there if you want. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So it's talking about that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, weak men and women who've done great things for him. Get rid of that sin and run with endurance the race that is set before us, but looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Right? This isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. And it takes endurance and it takes perseverance to do that. Let me tell you one last story here. We were uh, camping as a family. I've got five kids. Uh, we live in Michigan, and we love to travel around. We've been in 49 states with all the kids. We just got to hit Alaska now. So if you guys know anybody who needs a wild game speaker in Alaska, let me know. I got to get up there somehow. And um, and so we, we like to camp a lot. And we were out at this place, and we were camping, and it was this big lake, and around the backside was this kind of kind of a mountain, but it was only, you know, maybe a 1,000 feet tall or something. It wasn't like the Rockies or anything, but it had all these big giant boulders that were kind of strewn down the, the mountainside, and it, it was just a really a beautiful scene, but it was almost kind of like, I always kind of picture it like um, God had made this, this nice mountain, and on top of it he made this nice castle with all of these, these big giant boulders, and then Satan got upset and came by and knocked it over like a little kid would or something, you know. And it was all just kind of strewn down the mountainside and into the river, into the lake. And, and so as we went back around as a family, we noticed there was a few adults kind of jumping off these large rocks and boulders into the, into the deep water. And, and, but there was a bunch of teenagers that weren't because and, and, uh, I think they were afraid to do it. And so we got out there, and we're always an adventurous family. And, and so my kids were like, oh, we want to do this. We need to jump off. And, and so I'm like, well, let me check it out because you had to climb over all these big rocks and there were these crevices that would drop down um, pretty deep. And if, you know, a little kid fell down in there, it'd be hard to get him out and he could get really hurt. And, and so I let my older two kids go. Um, but my five-year-old son at the time, Seth, was like, Dad, I want to do this. I'm like, no, Seth, you can't do it. It's too difficult. It's too dangerous. You're too young. You don't have a life jacket on. How are you going? You know, it's just better that you sit with mom and with your younger sisters because they're way too young to do it. And uh, so me and the other two are jumping in, and we're enjoying it. And the whole time, every time I would come back up and climb over all these obstacles to get back out to the ledge, I'd see Seth looking at my wife, and he's just chirping. He's just working her over like, come on, Mom, I can do this. And she's like, no, son, you're too young. It's not safe. You can't do this. She's like, no, Mom, I can do it. I can do it. He's like, no. And um, so after about 20 minutes, like all good parents, uh, we ended up caving. And, um, and I told Sarah, I said, you know what, let me just grab him by the hand. I'm going to help him across these crevices, help him across the obstacles. I'm going to get him out to the ledge. And he's going to chicken out. And then I'll, I'll take him back, and then we'll be done with it, and then we can do it. And I get him to the edge, and I look in his eyes. Have you ever seen fire in a little kid's eyes? 
Like, you know this kid is, he's determined he is going to do this. And I look at him, I look at my wife, and I'm like, okay, hold on, Seth, don't jump. Let me jump first, and then if you jump, I'll be down there to scoop you up and help you swim to the shore because the shore was kind of dangerous as well. And, um, and, but as we're standing there, I can hear all those teenagers off in the back behind us going, you think that little kid's going to jump? I think he's going to jump. I don't know. I, I wouldn't jump. And, you know, they were just going all back and forth trying to determine. And I look in his eyes. I know this kid's jumping. And I go in, and, and sure enough, Seth takes that big leap, and he gets to enjoy the benefits of, of leaping off. And we spent the next little bit just climbing out, jumping in, climbing out, jumping in, and Seth got to enjoy it. But I tell you that story because sometimes we have, we have five things here. If you want to go back to this, just the previous slide here. The first thing that we have to understand is that we need to know our mission. We need to know what God has called us to. And we need to run that with endurance. And we just read that in, in Hebrews. But Seth knew what his mission was. He knew he was determined to accomplish it. And the next thing that I learned is the next slide there, is that you need to ignore the haters. Mom and dad were like, Seth, you're too young. You can't do this. It's too dangerous. There's going to be something that God has called you to do, and there's going to be people in your family, people in your church, people in your community or at your workplace who are going to say, you can't do this. It's too dangerous. There are too many obstacles in the way. So we need to learn to ignore the haters. Next, we need to overcome the obstacles. Because there are times when you do a wild game dinner or you try to do something to reach the community, there are going to be obstacles that you have to overcome. <coughs> First Peter um, chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. There are going to be fiery trials that are going to test you. And you need to be prepared for it. But it helps when you know your mission and you're determined to accomplish it. You can ignore the haters. You can overcome the obstacles. And when you do that, you get to realize the rewards. And you get through that, and then people come to know the Lord. You have impact. Seats starting to get filled. Whatever it is that God's called you, maybe you left your work. I can tell you story after story of how God provided for us when we left the corporate world and started a ministry and made hardly anything through that, right? God will help you realize those rewards and it'll be awesome because this is what's really cool about it. Let's go to the next slide. You're going to inspire others to do great things for God because after Seth made that jump, what do you think happened? What do you think all those teenagers started doing? They're like, man, if that little kid can do it, I can do it. 
And they started jumping, and they started to enjoy and to realize the reward and the benefit of doing that. And that's what we have to do, friends. We have to trust that God is going to provide for us. He's going to equip us with everything we need. He's going to sustain us and carry us until the end. We just have to be determined to get through those obstacles, ignore those haters, and to realize the rewards and the blessings that God has promised us in his word and how he's demonstrated his promises through your life. I was just talking with someone yesterday about how God provides, and, and, uh, and we kind of came to the conclusion that we've always been taken care of. Sure, there's some times where everything fell apart, but then we talked through that, and as we figured out things fell apart, it actually worked out for the best because God had a different plan. Um, and if that wouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have worked out better, right? And, but we don't know that at the time. But when we go through these things, we can inspire others. And um, I just want to kind of leave you with that is, is friends, I'm super excited to travel all the way to New York and know that there are like-minded people that love Jesus, want to share the gospel, want to, to reach this community for Christ. Because you guys can reach people that I can't reach. I can reach people that you guys can't reach. God has placed each of you in a different sphere of influence. Some are in ministry. Some are doctors. Some are lawyers. Some are businessmen. Some of you are just, um, you know, working, working as a coach or, or doing something like that. But God has placed each and every one of us into a different sphere of influence, given us all different gifts and abilities so that we can trust and surrender and, and let him work in our situation to be able to have impact. Because when he places you there, he's given you everything you need to reach those people that I can't reach. Maybe some of you guys have overcome, you know, maybe alcohol or, or maybe drugs or you've overcome something. Or um, I shared last night about how my, our best friend's family, they lost a four-year-old daughter. And how God, 2 Corinthians 1, says that, um, the comfort we receive from God, we're able to give comfort to those. So somebody who has victory over alcohol can show other men or women how to have victory over that and to point them to Christ. Somebody who's maybe lost somebody, as tragic as it is, now they can show the love of Christ from the comfort that they received from God, right? And so God puts us in these positions, but he gives us everything that we need and we don't have to be the next Billy Graham. We don't have to be the next Apostle Paul. We can be Mike and Kim Tyson. We can be Sarah's and be Jason's. You know, you can be you can be you and God is going to use you in an amazing way. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this church here in New York. I pray that you would just continue to bless them, give them 
the gifts and the abilities that they need. I know you've already given them, but help them to realize what those gifts, help them to learn where they're truly suited. Are they a helper? Are they a leader? Are they an evangelist? Are they a, do they have the gift of exhortation? Do they have the, the different gifts, the spiritual gifts that you've given us as a body of Christ? And we don't all get the same ones because then we'd never get everything accomplished. You've given us different gifts so that we can all use them together and to be unified in the body of Christ. And that's when we're going to have more impact when we do it together. So, Lord, I pray that you would just challenge the people here, challenge this church, and I pray that you give them favor and opportunity in this community to do amazing things and to be the leader in this area and in this region. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Mike and Sarah. Really appreciate you answering the call years ago to follow what the Lord would use in your life. And again, as uh, Mike said, uh, all of us have a piece of the puzzle. And uh, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that... Uh, make a huge difference, and if those things weren't happening, then we couldn't have a Sunday morning, so we just, uh, we just thank you for that as we try to make a difference and uh, love and live like Jesus, so that's great. Um, next week, we continue on with our series, uh, Remember the Titans. Uh, you have a little invite card in your program, so please use that. Uh, it's a series where uh, someone doesn't have to be to every single part, and again, if they want to catch up, they can do that online. We always thank you for your generosity and your sacrificial giving. It's one of the ways you show uh, worship to God. Uh, you show that he's worth something to you uh, by your giving of your tithes and your offerings. And we really uh, thank you for the way you entrust us with that. Uh, continue to be in prayer as uh, we continue to talk with a potential associate pastor candidate. That continues to move along and uh, really, really appreciate your prayers for that. But all involved make uh, wise uh, decisions as we see if uh, we're being called as a church family to extend a call to this other family. Uh, so we appreciate that. So enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we will see you back next week. Take care.